Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello and welcome to another Marcus Meets. I really appreciate you letting us know what you think of the show. When you leave us ratings and reviews on iTunes, it helps to spread the good words to other ears as well. If you want to do that, we've made it super simple. Go to a link in the description that says click on this to let us know how you feel about the show and give us a review and it will take you straight to the place that you need to be to show us some love or give us some other type of feedback if you really want to. Now, this is part two of my conversation with Funk Butcher. In part one, we spoke about scandals in music production and the trainer world uh, to his knack of stirring up a nice old uh, Twitter hype on the Twitter sphere. And in, in this episode, um, we talk about the closure of one of London's and the world's biggest clubs, uh, the change of festival lifestyles, launching and growing his own labels, not just the label, uh, why you shouldn't put all your eggs in one basket and which eggs to put in the in what sort of baskets. Um, working with a great production output called The Joyful and loads more. But we were continuing the conversation about how the music industry is changing. And I said, Funk, how is the landscape changing in the music industry and what is the catalyst for all of this? Um, I mean, there's obviously there's been change along technological um, grounds. The the way technology enabled the the pool of talent to just exponentially grow. One minute you needed a specific bit of equipment to make music, to make records, and now you needed a laptop, which you can. And everyone says, "Oh, but Macs are expensive." But you can get them on finance. I mean, my first MacBook I got on a buy now, pay later from this shop called. Um, uh, turnkey in Charing Cross Road which I believe folded and I still had to pay the money though oh, I was going to say oh, <laughs> yeah, man. there's no, no happy ending there <laughs> so um, but yeah it, just the on that aspect alone so you had um, DAWs like programs which you were able to to make music with such as Fruity Loops Cubase Logic Ableton and so forth and they've increasingly dropped in price, which again has allowed allowed more people to involve themselves in the music community. What that does is obviously that pushes down the value of music, i.e. the the price of of a record kind of went from what it was in our price to a physical record to what it is now on iTunes, the birth of iTunes, and and then you have other things which are, are a little bit more complicated, i.e. Um, um, the police's relationship with with certain genres of music. That's, that's complicated things over the time because, and I'm in no way, shape or form saying that there isn't any 
truth to um, uh, the police's suspicions with some of these genres because some of these genres, because they were so popular within a certain community, they were drawing out certain individuals from that community that were known to police, um, which obviously would lead to trouble. I've played at, at, at events where, unfortunately, people have been shot, some people have been stabbed, and it, I, always, I always kind of found it strange that of all places to approach or to attack your enemy, you do it at a rave or, or like a venue. It always happened. It was like, that would be the prime place. It was like, that was a, um, it, it, it was more of a display. I felt like there was, there was a reason why someone would, execute that act in those places because it was a, a sign of this has happened to this person and we've done it so and you can all see that we've done it there was no covertness or whatever but obviously that had a an effect on some of the genres in london and and the police would subsequently lock off certain raves because they were just like, well, that rave is, is associated with trouble. That rave is associated with trouble based on the the music they were played. I mean, there were some DJs, unfortunately, that were getting blacklisted. Um, in London, you would have to do risk assessments. And basically what I would have to do for some of the raves, like years ago, I haven't had to do it in ages, luckily, but years ago, you'd have to give your details to the promoter who would forward on to the police and the police would check to see if you've got any priors, you've got any criminal records. And they'd also run it uh, against their own little algorithm of what raves you've played at and if they've been trouble at the raves you've played at. And then they kind of join the dots together and they're just like, okay, well, you must be DJ killer because everyone's dying at your dances. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, and unfortunately, that made f um, life very difficult for for some DJs trying to kind of just earn a living through doing something they liked because they were getting associated with the trouble that kicked off at the events they were playing at. They could be playing Lover's Rock. Do you know what I mean? Or like really conscious like reggae. And if something kicked off enough times at those events, then they would be deemed the cause of it. So it's like guilty by association almost. Exactly. And how how do you do with one, have we got around it? Or, and, and I suppose the second question, part of that question would be, how do we get around it if we're not? No, we haven't got around it. The, the reason why we haven't got around it, because even reading the, the transcript of the Fabric Review recently, when they closed the Fabric Review, the review board is in council at one stage, and I think it was brought up and it was quickly dismissed. But the fact that it was even brought up it, it, it smacked off the, the level of intelligence that's that's associated with a a scene that obviously the people reviewing have no real connection with. The review board said that the music played, I think, on the Friday night where the, unfortunately the two young people died of the drug overdose, or the drug overdose, um, the bad pills that they took, was um, the music on that night was of a certain 
BPM age. <laughs> it was of a high BPM in the realms of um, upwards of grime. Grime's at 140 BPM upwards to jungle, drum and bass, which is 160, 170, so to speak. And they were associating the fact that this type of music encourages that the, the, the kind of music played, it encourages people at these events to take drugs. And then you think to yourself, like, really, are we really drawing an association between a type of music? And dr- I'm sure like you can find someone that is taking drugs to classical and if you can find someone like that, then you've broken the rule. As soon as there's an exception to the rule, the rule's been broken, isn't it? Mm. So what was worrying is that people in such a high position, in such a high, um, not such a high, but an important and influential position were knocking around ideas like that because the ramifications meant that Certain clubs are getting closed, certain nights can't be held, certain artists can't perform in the capital and so forth. And it's just, it's just lazy, I think. I think that, but like, really and truly, it's just lazy. If you, if you really can't do any sort of investigative, um, like probing into what is the root cause of drugs in a certain community or a certain demographic or, or, or music and and whatnot and 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 what types of um um what types of venue like what 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 sorts of criminal elements hang around a venue if you can't do any sort of investigative probing then that's just laziness you know what i mean don't try and be clever and i don't know get someone at oxford to write a, a thesis on yeah grime or drum and bass or yeah or whatnot, and link it to to drugs because yeah, just lazy really. So, what do you think is going to be the future of of these clubs? Because we've now seen, like you said, Fabric, one of the more popular clubs, most one of the most popular clubs in the world, voted best club in the world yeah. by DJ Mag, I yeah. think, or another big established magazine. Um, what's going to happen now if we start seeing these establishments close? What do you think people are going to do? The thing is that I've I've I haven't really expressed too much on social media because I don't want to kind of railroads what's actually happening but fabric is is it's not even the tip of the iceberg Fa- these these closures that have been happening to clubs for years decades even and they've happened more so over the past i say over the past decade within the past decade they've happened more so because what's happening now is obviously with gentrification and there's like there's there's a real scramble going on for the land because mm. there's no greenbelt land. There's just this, there's this land up for grabs, which lets it's easier to force out the people that, that can't afford it or the, the, the working class demographic who are kind of in the way of someone who could pay even more of a pretty penny for the same land. So that's why a lot of this land is kind of going up for grabs, but the whole fabric situation, like Lumina, a company that owed, that owned like a series of venues, the liquid and MVs and, and, and so forth up and down the country. They had like things in the region of like up to about hundreds or of, yeah. of venues and they went bankrupt. So I, I would argue their, their kind of exit out of the, the clubbing economy had a, re- that was the, the beginning of 
the end, so to speak. That was when, and I know the, some people might argue that Fabric and, and the Luminar venues are different. Obviously, they've got different um, ravers. They were, play, they were playing kind of different types of, of music. But when the treasurer is looking at money coming in from the, the nighttime economy, they're all there. The, that, that money is all going in the same, that same place in the mm. spreadsheet. Mm. So um, it's, it's, not, it's not going to get any better. I feel what is actually happening is that where Clubland has been neglected, more emphasis has been put into the festivals. That's why there's been like this massive surge in festivals yeah. and even li from little ones to really, really, really big ones. The numbers are big ones have grown even bigger. Like people that you never thought in a million years would go camping at Glastonbury or, 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 or um, what's, what's the one up in, um, in Manchester? Park life. Yeah. And they're doing it now. It, it is literally like you've, you've taken one element of their ability to kind of let loose and, and relax. And so they found another element in terms of outdoor raving or whatnot. Um, but in doing that, yeah, it's kind of neglected what's actually happening with the clubland situation, whether it's fabric, plastic people, the coronet. Um, I'm hearing talks of ministry might be moving mm. and yeah, but um, obviously Fabric was gained a lot of prominence on the timeline because it's such a big institution linked to the people that have passed through those doors. I mean, I was lucky to to have played there and yeah, it's, it's an amazing club. Um, what makes it so amazing? What's it like playing in Fabric? Um, I think it's just the, the 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 energy inside the fabric is a meeting ground for music heads you're you're not gonna get as um even though fabric has a walk up uh um, a walk up is a term for people just passing by going oh yeah what's going on fabric and they just walk in like fabric more so specifically has people tailored to go seek out whatever night is there um, so from a DJ's perspective, that's a lot more favourable because you're playing to someone who you don't really have to convert. They're there for, you know what I mean? Mm. Like, it's the difference between um, people who go to Westfield and people who go to like, I don't know, Ridley Road Market. At Ridley Road Market, that person has to pitch. You want five pound of apples? <laughs> He's pitching to try and draw you in kind of thing. Whereas the people at Westfield, they've, they've left the house to seek a specific garment or whatever uh, at, a, uh, at a certain store. So um, fabric in that aspect, I'm not saying other clubs weren't like that, but fabric in that aspect, yeah, it, it had its own internal branding at the free rooms and the free rooms that had, and the rooms weren't really genre specific. They were literally the who's who of, whoever in their field, whether they were up and coming or whatnot. So the, the marketing team and the, and, and, and the booking team behind Fabric, they had their ear very close to the ground as to who is, who's hot, who's not. And, um, and, and um, yeah, they, re they really had their finger on their pulse musically. Mm. Well, which is something you kind of have to make sure you do with, with regards to keeping your ear to the ground for, 
up and coming production units and people and artists because you've got the Houseology label, right? Mm-hmm. So what's the story behind Houseology? Obviously, you mentioned that you did the show Houseology 101. Yeah. How did and why did you decide to turn this into something else? Yeah. Um, I think I remember having a talk with um, Marcus Nasty around about 2009. And I think the conversation kind of went along the lines of, okay, yeah, we're, we're DJing, we're doing this, that and the other, but we're going to need another string to our bow. There's only so many people, even when I think now, uh, when, I was on, when I was at Rinse at the time, the only people who, who sprung to mind that actually just DJed, that didn't really have any kind of label affiliation or whatever, was um, a guy called One Man. But everyone else, whether they DJ, they had a label. Um, whether they DJ, they were producers. Or whether they producers, they were DJing. They, there were people on the station that had multiple skill sets. So it, it stood to, it, it, it made sense that you had to kind of embark on that journey to, to bolster yourself in case that, that axe came down. Do you know mm. what I mean? It's like in all companies. I, I actually came out of a situation where I was made redundant. And, Obviously, a lot of the time, the redundancies happen because um, they, there's whatever called company restructuring. But what they do a lot of times with company redundancies is that they offer jobs again to the people that have made redundant. So, okay, well, these jobs are going in this department. Would you like to do it? And obviously, those jobs are more advantageous if you've got multiple skill sets that keeps you in the running. Mm. So I've kind of just used that 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 way of thinking in terms of um how i've survived in in this because a lot of it is i mean i'm i'm not in any way blowing my own trumpet a lot of it is is down to the fact that i i work hard but it's because i'm prepared and i'm lucky and people say what do you mean by luck well certain things have happened that i did i couldn't forecast they would happen so that's the luck aspect um what put me in, in good running is the fact that my skill sets at the time prepared me for that eventuality. Mm. So um, in regards to um, having the Houseology brand, I knew that I had to associate myself with a brand outside of Rinse. Right. It was it was it was too much to there were people on the station, unfortunately, that put all their eggs in one basket and when that rinse axe fell down, what they what they like to call um destroy and rebuild. Mm. That was that was, that was the phrase for it. Destroy and rebuild was the, the company restructuring at rinse. That's when okay. the, a lot of the DJs were getting shifted out for whatever reason. Um when they started to um cut a lot of the specialist DJs during the day when they started to have more uniform drive time and a drive time show, which they, which private stations never had, but when they got their commercial, when they got their community radio license, FM license, they started to structure it more in line with other um, commercial radio stations, i.e. a breakfast show, a drive show and specialist shows from after seven. So everyone before that kind of got the act, so to speak. And um, I felt like at the time I could have gone a lot sooner. And I think one of the reasons why I didn't is because I had probably other strings to my bow, which kind of kept me in the running. I feel like one of the strings I had was the fact that I could produce. 
I was making records out there. I was allying myself with other brands and sorry, other, other, um, yeah, other kind of brands at the time, like whether it would be, I don't know, doing stuff with urban nerds or, um, making records with Zed bias under funk bias and releasing under swamp 81 and, mm. and stuff like that. And the label was one of those things, which outside of it was kind of a, a, a strong independent look because what Vince wanted to do, they wanted to, they wanted to kind of have a, um, they wanted to cross pollinate with their, their artists. They wanted to kind of like clever. Yeah. Clever move. Yeah. yeah. So they wanted to have your brand. This, this do something with our brands together and then we, we grow. So every act on the station, they were seen as viable business opportunities as opposed to just kind of like solely DJ talents or, or presenting talents or whatever. So I spotted that early on and then I was just like okay cool well um yeah I better I better add something to myself to kind of like keep my keep my my, my neck in there Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Yeah, so you've. Uh, I want to mention your alignments uh, with some other great artists as mm -hmm. well. Um, but Houseology, so it's... How would you describe Houseology's output? Um, Houseology's output is very much at the the will of me the label head um i don't tend to <laughs> yeah it's one of them ones um no I, f i feel like from a dj perspective i could i could understand the the um the suffocating the suffocating effect of being swamped by promos especially from one specific label. So I felt at one stage that, okay, let's say I'm DJ, blah, blah, blah. I'm 17, get my first record out, put out on a nice 
seminal label and it goes out there. Everyone's like, yeah, 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 cool. Next month later, the next track comes out. The spotlight's moved for me. And I always felt the conveyor belt that a lot of labels were kind of embarking on with their releases, it, it didn't sit well with me. I wanted things to kind of have their moment. So my output isn't as crazy as some of the other labels out there, the, the independent labels or otherwise. And partly it's because I feel that you can put out a lot of the same or you can wait for nice individual um, different records to, to put out. And I've, I've gone for the, the former. Yeah. Wicked. Uh, what can we look forward to September 2016? What, what have we got around the corner of what's just popped up? September 2006. So this month in September, um, I've got a release from uh, a good friend of mine and a mentor, Phil Asher. And he actually put out one of my first records on his label called Rest of Soul. Which is like a big... Um, um, soulful house record that's that's kind of like an institution in 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 london underground um culture and i literally reached out to him i was like phil you've helped me like to be where i am now by giving me that that validation of releasing on on such an important imprint um sounds a bit cheeky but would you like to release on he's like it would be an honor i was like whoa so i was blown away so it, it it really touched me the fact that he respected my imprint enough to kind of um have his work out there um i initially do this thing where i'm like mm, nah he wouldn't want to kind of associate myself but um sometimes you just have to just kind of test the waters all you can ever get at the end of it is a no so mm. that's that's never going to hurt anyone it's never going to really dent your pride but um yeah I'm, I'm glad i did so that's coming out in september and then going forward we've got i, I don't want to give away too many ideas but house of the g is a very much an artistic imprint so there's going to be a lot of artistic um installations and features linked to the label so it's i want it to to leave a cultural imprint rather than just another record label and likewise with the the, the imprint that um uh, i've just linked up with trim on secluded area of music um i want to do the same thing for like grime and and other kinds of experimental music that we're going to be putting out on that label as well okay so so houseology you got a house covered yep. and you're saying, you know, it's more than that artistic installations. I, I look forward to seeing yep. it. Uh, and then you've got secluded area of music, which yep. is, um, I've only just recently seen you and trim tweeting about this. Mm -hmm. So what's, so you said you're going to do the houseology thing, but basically in grime. So what's that, what's that going to be like then? Yeah. So there's houseology, my imprint, and then there's secluded area of music, which is trim's imprint and trim's, um, like give me the honor of being his, his partner on the label and whatnot. And, that's amazing because we've been doing shows together as well. So I've been fortunate enough to, to within the, the, the environment that I was working in at Rinse, I was surrounded by so many different genres that it never felt alien for me to 
jump into a certain genre and make something in that world or make so I've made a footwork track I've made um um house tracks I've made grime tracks I've made and um I've made techno tracks and because I've existed in a community where there is a lot of kind of intertwining of of brands and and genres on the station of rinse it's meant that it's kind of removed the fear that I've had going forward because what what happened what basically what happened is there, there was the there was the funky era the UK funky era so it was a house and then there was house and funky house when I mean funky house I don't mean UK funky I mean funky house in the sense of the head candy stuff the stuff um tracks like um blaze featuring barbara tucker that was considered more on the funky house side of things that was actually a genre in itself then uk funky came later uk funky was obviously uh and uh an amalgamation of broken bit of house bit of grime all meshed together and then we got uk funky so there was that side of things and then from the UK funky, we've kind of moved into um, whatever came. We, we moved into a, a kind of deep house, deep, deep tech house. So what happened with the deep tech house is that a lot of people felt insecure about their personal identities. They felt like they had to, they had to portray their maturity through their branding. It's like um, we went through awkward phase musically where, and this is and this is funny because it's like we all we all pretty much get along. But back in the day when we was on rinse, there was rinse and there was deja. And when we was on deja, at the time, some of the people that had left um, deja and gone to rinse um, were people like Super D from from like our neck, our community. So Super D had left and gone to rinse. Circle, um, which is Kismet Tipper, Fever, Icy. Um, they'd gone to to Vince. MA One had gone to Vince, um, and on Deja, and these are all like like legendary funky house yeah, house yeah, DJs legendary, at this time. Yeah. So you were like between you guys, you kind of had the game. Yeah, so pretty much. I'm not. Yeah, you know, might be. Yeah, there's, there's, there's a few there's, more. There's a few yeah, more people. Yeah, you were part of the clan. Yeah, yeah. So we were part of the 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 fraternity shaping the landscape. Marcus Nasty, myself, Perempe, um, Wigman, AB. Um, there's loads of us. Whether we, whether you are more to the funky side or whether you're more to the house side, we were all kind of shaping that landscape, um, which, like, inner city London was dancing to. Scholar T as well. Um, and what happened was that when we were playing funky, and mixing it with the house, there was this kind of like propaganda war going on between um, real house heads and people that were playing quote unquote wonky. And wonky music was seen as um, substandard, like mediocre, um, very juvenile, poorly produced, wonky, aka UK funky at the time. Mm. So we were kind of fighting a, a tide of of not only trying to get this sound to be prominent, but 
to um, be respected image-wise as well. I mean, people are always people are also were fighting. People like Pioneer as well were 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 playing his part in establishing the funky brand. And obviously, yeah, like I said, Marcus Nasty and so many so many DJs, so many DJs. But um, what I'm saying is that they came. What I'm tying it into is that there came a a funny point where a lot of the DJs felt um, insecure about their their personal um, image and how it was reflected outwards. They felt the music they were playing didn't didn't um, correlate to the the music that they wanted to get into. So there was kind of this rebranding that happened with a lot of DJs where some of them changed their names and whatnot. No, no, no digs or anything, but I've, I've always felt that it, it was from my perspective, and obviously this is, this is just me, that it was unnecessary because if you've worked God knows how many years to establish a brand, to establish a foundation, a platform, why would you kind of knock that all, all away to kind of reestablish under an alias, which people have to kind of, again, join the dots to and say, oh, well, that's that person who's linked to that body of work. Um, the reason I link it in is because I was a, I was a bit, I was a bit fearless. I was a bit of a, a maverick in the sense of if I wanted to make something that sounded a bit left, I would make it a bit left under my name. And then I'd make something deep house after that under my name, because I felt, I'd seen other brands and entities do it like Zinc, like Zinc had made Jungle um, to Garage and the Crack House stuff and he'd made it all under the, the the one pseudonym. So if it can be done, same thing with Scream. Scream, like one of the pioneering heads of dubstep, now plays a lot of disco and house music. So, um, and even his, his label of, of Unsound Mind puts out a lot of kind of like deep house and stuff version on the, on the, on the techno side. And I was just like, well, if these guys can have belief in their brands enough, then surely the consumer will follow suit. You shouldn't be, um, um, you, you shouldn't have your, your brand dictated to you by the will of the consumer or some, some, I wouldn't say fictitious, but it, it did seem like this stuff was being manifested in the in the minds of the the people that wanted to make that transition. Oh, they they take me serious. Oh, maybe I, this is too kiddie or did this, did that, or so everyone started taking these black and white <coughs> promo shots where they look real serious and they mm-hmm. put their government name as their DJ name now and whatnot. And yeah, and that kind of that went down that that avenue. Interesting. But at the same time, you now have also done some work under a pseudonym. Mm-hmm. So what's your reason for for doing that? You know, with the I mean, the joyful. I think the reason why I chose to do pseudonyms is because I recognised um, an inability in a lot of the consumers to to comprehend one entity making multiple 
facets or being 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 in being in control of multiple facets. That's one thing I I noticed that um was it kind of scuppered the plans that I wanted to do, which is wanted to kind of encapsulate everything under one umbrella. I was at the mercy of the fact that the average consumer could not comprehend someone like Little Wayne when he put out that rock album. They're just like, what is going on? Kind of things like Little Wayne's doing rock and like, and even little things like that. It's only, it's only some people have been able to, to get away with that. If they've, initially articulated themselves as eclectic to begin with, then the consumer will allow them to kind of spread their creative wings into different fields. But if they um, start off as a staunch advocate of a, a certain sound or a certain um, genre or whatnot, it makes it, makes it very difficult to kind of um, broach into other areas or other genres because the consumer, it, it would just feel weird for them. So the pseudonyms came about where it was to make things easier for them to comprehend that I could make other sounds. I, I wasn't putting, you see the pseudonyms and the pseudonyms, the pseudonyms like, um, 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 subtract, like subtracts pseudonym, subtract was doing music before subtract the, the SPTRKT uh, artist. And he wears a mask on his face. And there's pseudonyms like that where you're trying to com- to create complete anonymity. You're trying to c- uh, create a, com- uh, a complete division from your previous sound. My pseudonym is is like, well, you're going to find out eventually it's me, but the initial people will see something different and gravitate to it because it's being it, it's different. It's, it's that, that classic consumer mentality of picking up... Um, a Cocoa Pots brand, Kellogg's, and then picking up the the Tesco's own brand and then assuming one is superior to the other just because the packaging and everything looks different. So it's that's all I'm doing where whereby I'm repackaging something just for the purpose of I understand that sometimes consumers that's the way their their mind works where they have to have something that looks different for them to 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 connect with it okay so like when mcdonald's try and do a healthy thing no one has it <laughs> exactly if there was a healthy store that popped up yeah. and everyone was like you know what this food's really good it's really healthy yeah, yeah. and then everyone works out it's yeah. mcdonald's yeah. that's the kind of i don't yeah. know why i use food bruv that's my me put in my personal <laughs> isn't it but that's a is that the sort of idea am i right or yeah 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 it's exactly that it's just like yeah you say getting a fruit bag from mcdonald's and it's just like, oh, like yeah and then you get it from some trendy vegan shop and you spend 20 pound on the fruit bag. It's just like, Oh yeah, that's, that's great. Food. Always a good way to wrap up a conversation. Um, no, seriously though, it's interesting how one person's perception can change the desired effect of something on someone. Uh, so just changing the name of your output can mean people can receive your music differently. It's crazy. That isn't it? Um, I can confirm we sat down for a, a bit longer the week after, I cut off that uh, episode short because we ran out of time, basically. And that will be broadcast on the next episode of Marcus Meets. I promise it's in the edit now. It'll be out very, very soon. 
This episode was produced and hosted by myself, Marcus Bronzy, and also co-produced by Milo Fisher, Billy Wright, Shane Powell, David Shawcross. Special thank you to Kyle James and the Wide Awake crew, aka CJ Beats and Jordan Crisp, for the stings and introduction music. You can listen to Marcus Meets via iTunes podcasts or Apple devices, or Acast, which works on every single phone I know of. Uh, if you're unsure of what you can listen to us on, all you have to do is head to marcusbronzy.com forward slash meets. That's M-A-R-C-U-S-B-R-O-N-Z-Y dot com slash meets to listen any way you desire. If you'd like to give us a rating and review, we'd really appreciate that. We've put a link in the description that you can click on just for that. And if you want to show us even more love, like buy us uh, a tea or a coffee or, or, or some ibuprofen and paracetamol, which helped to get me over the cold which i had at the end of last episode quite quickly head to marcusbronzy.com forward slash tea or coffee thank you for listening here's a cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.